Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him from the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm Yes All creation shakes at the mention of his name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow. fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come Amen He is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storms. He's the only shelter from the coming storms. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Introduce the Jews to a whole new way of life. They had been under the law, but now they were set free. Now they lived under grace that was to teach them how to say no to ungodliness. The old covenant, with all of its regulations, now was obsolete. But it was a very difficult transition for Jewish people. They had a long history and culture. And now suddenly, it was obsolete. So many of the Jews who accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, who received the gospel of the kingdom of God with great joy, could not let go of the old obsolete rules and regulations that governed the old covenant. And because of that, they mixed the two together. And the two could not mix. So Paul came writing a letter to the church at Galatia. And in that letter, he contended for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for a separation from the old covenant and an entering into a new covenant. Now, I have walked this week and last week verse by verse through the book of Galatians. What's very clear in the book of Galatians is that Paul wants to address those who want to keep the law. But he also wants to address all of those who would choose to follow Jesus Christ. The key verse in this entire book is found in Galatians, the second chapter, beginning with verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Please understand, the gospel of Jesus Christ begins with being crucified with Christ. Look carefully at Romans, the sixth chapter. I no longer live, Paul says, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside 
the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Now, the great problem that began to develop very rapidly in the church was the separation between Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And Paul addresses that in the book of Romans, where he says the mystery of the gospel is that the Lord wanted to combine together his people, Jewish people, with Gentile people. He wanted one church. Now today, most of you listening to this broadcast are not troubled by questions of keeping Jewish laws and rules and regulations. Instead, another division has occurred in the body of Christ, and that division is between those who claim they are Christians but walk like pagans and the true believers of Jesus Christ. Jesus was, in Matthew, you read Matthew 24, 25, the end events, things are going to become very troublesome. And at least half of the church will not be prepared to enter into the kingdom of God, and they will be lost and they will be cast into the fire. The scriptures say they're cast into outer darkness where there is grinding of teeth. That is, there is great anger on the part of those who called themselves Christians, but who did not walk in Jesus Christ. Now today we're going to attempt, maybe tomorrow, to finish our study of the book of Galatians. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, there is a very detailed description of those who live contrary to Jesus Christ but call themselves Christians. Verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And he goes through a whole hit list of behaviors that immediately identify someone as not walking in Jesus Christ. Sexual immorality or fornication in the Greek. Adultery, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let's be clear. Most Jewish people were not going to live in any of these areas of wickedness. Jewish law was very clear. You were not to commit sexual immorality. You are not to have another God other than the Lord God of heaven. Witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, those were all things that were outside and were condemned by the old covenant. But in the new covenant, we have people who come into the church, read carefully the book of Jude, saying you can 
false teachers coming into the church saying you can never leave your sin. And they then equate, according to Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the blood of bulls and goats having the same value as the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But now we come to verse 22. This is Galatians 5, 22. And this is one of the most joyous passages of this book. But the fruit of the Spirit, fruit is singular in the Greek. And what is fruit? Fruit is a manifestation of something else. You have an apple tree. The manifestation of that apple tree will be apples. Manifestation of the orange tree will be oranges. In other words, fruit is a manifestation of what it is connected to. If you look at the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus says, you can bear no fruit outside of me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Branches don't bear fruit if they're not connected to the vine. They wither and die. And Jesus said, those who produce no fruit will be cut off and cast into the fire and burned. So we come now to verse 22, and the manifestation of being connected to Jesus, of being crucified with Jesus, that manifestation is revealed as the spirit of love. John Wesley said love was the fulfilling of the command to be perfect, even as the Father in heaven is perfect. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are one fruit, not fruits. It's one fruit. It's a package deal. When you are crucified with Christ, this fruit is the manifestation that you have, in fact, been crucified with Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is one package that you receive when you are crucified with Christ. If these are not manifest or if this is not manifest in your life, you have not yet been crucified with Christ. And you have not yet entered into what he is calling you to be. Now I look at this list the descriptors of this fruit of the Spirit. Love, self-sacrificing for others. Joy, Uh, joy is a product. It's not something that is first for itself. It's a byproduct of something else. And in this case, it's a byproduct of having been crucified with Christ. 
peace. Have you ever seen someone who who can't stop moving? Their their legs are always bang, uh, popping. Their their hands are moving. They're always looking at their cell phone. They're just you can tell there's no peace in their body or in their mind. That's because they have not yet been crucified with Jesus Christ. Patience. Oh, I've heard people say, Pastor, I'm working hard on my patience. Patience is a byproduct. It's a byproduct of having been crucified, of having died with Jesus Christ. Just as love and joy, peace, they're all byproducts. It's not something you make a list of, and now I'm going to work on my on my kindness, or now I'm going to work on being good, or now I'm going to work on being faithful, or now I'm going to work on being peaceful. No. This is a unified package that is given by the Holy Spirit when you are crucified with Jesus Christ. Against such things, verse 23, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So, the opposite of this list that I've just shared with you, the acts of the sinful nature Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. This is the manifestation of not having been crucified with Jesus Christ. You say, I'm working hard on not being angry. Well, the way you work hard on not being angry is to die. You don't go to stress management. You don't go to anger management. You die. You are crucified with Christ. The way you deal with envy or drunkenness or orgies, sexual impurity, you don't go to a sex addict class, a 10-step program. You die. You are crucified. In other words, we have here two descriptors of the sinful nature and of the fruit of the Spirit. You can very quickly tell where you're at if you're you're working on your anger management, if you're working on your jealousy issues, if you're working on your sexual immorality. So are many pagans. So are many pagans. And they require self-help. And if you go to almost any Christian bookstore, any who are left today, you will see that the majority of books in that bookstore center around self-help strategies to deal with jealousy and anger and ambition, hatred, forgiveness, becoming a better person. 
but you still haven't been crucified with Christ. Let's be honest. We will do almost anything to not be crucified. We don't want to be crucified. We want to have our life, and then we want to have the Christian life, and we'll pick and choose which parts we want and what we're going to do. We all want space for our life. We want space for our addictions. We want space for the lust of our heart. Oh, maybe your lust is not quite cheating on your wife or your husband. But you'll look at the pornography. Or you'll masturbate. Maybe you don't want your sin to be out in the open. You want it to be secret. So you gamble on the internet. You do things that are secret. You try to control your angry mouth. That's trouble. These acts of the sinful nature are a direct manifestation of a heart in rebellion against Almighty God, against Jesus Christ. And he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, these things are all connected. They're all manifestations of a selfish, angry, bitter heart. They're all manifestations of wickedness in a person's soul. And he's saying, look, anyone with these manifestations will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then likewise, the fruit of the Spirit. These are not things we work on developing. These are the package of glorious gifts given to a man or woman who will choose to die to themselves, who will choose to utterly give themselves up to Jesus Christ. Now, if we look over here in Second Corinthians, he makes it even more clear. Let me begin reading in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's the descriptor that Paul uses of a man or woman who is willing to sacrifice their life to Jesus Christ, who's willing to be crucified. What is the manifestation going on in your life? Which of these 
two parts of Galatians do you fit in? Do you fit in the manifestations of darkness, of evil, that cannot enter into the kingdom of God? Or do you have the package? Have you received the package of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness? Have you received that package? He says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That is, what I can get out of them, how I can control and change them, how I can use them for my advantage. We don't look at them that way anymore. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. This is Second Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 17. Now listen to this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And that word new in the Greek means a person who has never before existed. Someone brand new. When you're crucified with Jesus Christ, you are not now continuing to walk in sin. You are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. You are created. You are made new as a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And I want to ask you, has the new come in your life? Do you have the gift of the Spirit? Do you have the fruit of the Spirit? Have you crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires? Are you really a new person? Or are you just an improved version of the old manifestations of anger, envy, bitterness? Are you a new person? See, Jesus does not offer to us a self-help program for improving our lives. He asks us to come and be crucified with Jesus, to die. Again, Romans 6, even the old nature dies and is totally removed from you. So Jesus is looking for people who are willing to come and lay down their lives. Have you been willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? You know that it begins with an honest taking responsibility and not blaming anyone else for your life. It begins with honest confession before Jesus of who you really are. And if you find in your soul those places that I spoke of yesterday, those places of utter deadness in your soul, you know you are far away from God. Now you can fill that deadness with eating, entertainment, sex, accomplishments in the financial world, making money, 
You can fill those empty things until now you're worn out and you're old and you're dying and you can't do those things anymore. But by now your heart is hardened and angry and you will not turn and repent. Particularly old men won't repent. Very few old men will humble their hearts and repent. A man I know now, he's an alcoholic. He's a wonderful personality, entertaining. He's an alcoholic that is absolutely committed to stand in opposition to Jesus Christ. He's been in the hospital this last week. He's at the point of death. But he is adamantly opposed to humbling his heart before God. Now, for some reason, women have a much easier time, particularly old women. They will give their hearts to Christ. Now, they've cheated the Lord by not serving him all of their life, by being about their own agendas. They have stolen themselves from God. But in the end, they're much more likely to confess their sin and to enter into the kingdom of God. So it begins with an honest dealing with who you are and what you've done. And that begins when you look closely at this hit list in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. That's the mirror you look in and say, okay, is that a descriptor of who I am and how I am? And so it begins with an honest confession. Lord, this is what I've done. This is who I am. And I I repent. I stand against myself and I stand for you, Jesus. And so I repent of what I have said, what I have done, the sexual impurity, the lies, the jealousy. I repent, Jesus, and be very specific with him. And then you ask him, please crucify me with you, Jesus. I give up my old way of life. I'm finished. I'm done. I belong to you, Jesus, 100%. And now, if you can use me for the work of your kingdom, I'm available. I will wait for your direction. And you pray through. It may take you It may take you several weeks. It shouldn't take longer than that. Not if you're being really honest. Get through that portion. We'd like to stay at the foot of the cross and not go on through that cross to victory on the other side. But that's out of our own resistance to surrender to Jesus. So we surrender to him. We declare that he is the Lord of our life. A man I spoke with this last week who has listened to this broadcast for some time said, Pastor, I'm walking in it. 
I'm walking in Jesus. He was so joyful. He was so excited. He doesn't want to go back to the darkness. He knows what it is out of his wicked background. He knows what it is when the demon spirits come and want to dwell in him and drive him. And he's saying, no, I'm trusting Jesus. Now, listen. So from now on, this is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So we're no longer going to look at the world and say, okay, how can I take advantage of this situation? How can I make some money out of this? How can I become somebody out of this? In other words, we're no longer looking for what we can get. We are looking for how can I build the kingdom of God? How can I draw this person into the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ? Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. That is, those who have become Christians, but who want to use Jesus to get a better job. I spoke with a man this morning. I was having breakfast and the phone rang. I took his call. He said, Pastor, will you pray for me? I need a new job. Pastor, will you pray for me that I'll have favor in my company? Pastor, will you pray for me that my health will be stronger? I stopped him. I said, wait a minute. You're asking me to pray advantages for you. You want to use Jesus Christ to make your life better. No, die out. Give up your pride. Grow up in Jesus. This is not about self-help and now, oh, I'm not making it, so now I need to lasso Jesus in and pull him into this deal so that he can make me successful. No. He says we no longer regard Christ in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. What is the new? The new is the gift of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. That's the new person. If you don't have that yet, you have not been crucified with Jesus Christ. And now you're scrambling and trying to find, okay, how can I improve my patience? How can I improve this? How can I? By dying. That's the only way. Every other plan of action will fail. And you'll go right back to the same old vomit that you came out of. You have to die. All of this is from God, verse 18, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Our ministry is to reconcile lost sinners to Jesus Christ. 
So this morning, my wife and I went for breakfast where we could talk and just have time to fellowship with each other to a place called First Watch. Several of the people who wait on staff there, who serve the meals there, came and spoke with us. I had an opportunity to speak with three of them about Jesus Christ. My purpose in speaking with them was to draw them deeper into Jesus. All three would say they're Christians. But all three are walking in known rebellion and sin as I described those first people. One is living with someone who is not her husband. But, oh, she wants a husband. The only way she can get a husband is living with a man in sin. Are you kidding me? Wrong. I told her she needs to tell her boyfriend either put a ring on my finger or I'm gone. That's pretty hard, isn't it? Are you a Christian or not? I want to have real Christians who stand for something and who are identifiable as followers of Jesus Christ. And I want them to be men and women who walk in the fruit of the Spirit and not in the manifestation of the devil in their life. That know that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. He won't count the sins against you if you will enumerate them before him, if you will confess them honestly, and if you will turn from them and ask Jesus to do that amazing, transforming work of converting your heart, of making you into a new creature, of crucifying you. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Well, let's spend just a moment on that word reconciliation. When many years ago I took accounting, I discovered what the term reconciliation meant. It meant that you had to go through all of your checks, all of your expenses, your bank account, your checkbook, and you had to make sure that what you said you had in the bank matched what the bank said you have in their bank. And when the two of you agree, you are reconciled. It's not imaginary. It's not... um, It's not the bank covering you and saying, okay... We're reconciled, and I'll make up the difference. No. It means your account has to be reconciled with the bank's account. And if you go through and you're perfect, you go to the bank and find out if they made a mistake. 
but in the end you have to be reconciled. The same is true with Jesus. You have to be reconciled with Jesus. In reality, no imputed righteousness. There is no such thing in all of the scriptures as imputed righteousness. Read carefully. Chapters 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Read carefully that portion of Hebrews. The blood of Jesus Christ utterly cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And he reconciles us with God the Father, with himself, with heaven. It is as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's what I'm doing today. Some of you may be offended by it. Please, it's not my intent to condemn or to in any way cause you to to feel that I'm condemning. I'm not. What I'm doing is imploring you on Christ's behalf that you be reconciled with God. It says God made him who had no sin to be a sin offering for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Literally, the innocent righteousness just means innocence, that we might be made utterly innocent in Jesus Christ. says, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Receiving God's grace in vain means that I refuse to be crucified with him. And then after I am crucified, I can go back in the book of Galatians, it says, and rebuild what has been destroyed. And that's the case for many who call themselves Christians in America today. They may have at one point been serious about this walk with Jesus, but then they began to go after the money. They began to go after entertainment. They began to go after things that are manifestations of impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy. I'm appalled by how many Christian parents... Turn to Rowling's books, Harry Potter, and thereby taught their children how to do spells and how to enter into the occult. I urge you, do not receive God's grace in vain. Chapter 6, verse 1. In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. The weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left 
through glory and dishonor, bad report, good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed. He says, open wide your hearts to us. Do not be yoked with unbelievers. If you're a Christian, don't be yoked with a with a Muslim. Don't be yoked with, with a Jewish woman or Jewish man. Don't be yoked together between a Christian who is truly crucified with Christ and a Hindu or Shinto. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? That is, what does an uncircumcised, what does a a person who's not been crucified with Christ, not been circumcised by Christ, what does that person have to do with a serious follower of Jesus Christ? What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Bilal? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? He says in verse 17, come out from them and be separate. Some of you need to come out and be separate. If you're living with someone you're not married to, you need to leave or you need to marry if they're a believer. Probably, if you both were believers, you would not be living together outside of the bonds of marriage. That's wickedness. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my son and my daughter, says the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1, since we have these promises, dear friend, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. That's 2 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, verse 1. And so I come back now to the book of Galatians. There are Two very clear camps. One camp is the manifestation of the natural man or woman, the wickedness, sexual immorality, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, and so on. And then there is the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. They're both packaged deals. Now, chapter 6 has a very interesting statement. I've taught Galatians many times, but I always skip this, and I'm not going to skip it today. Anyone who receives instruction in the Word must share all good things with his instructor. If this broadcast has been helpful to you, we're at the end of the month. The radio bill is not covered, and many of you have not given You're instructed in the scripture to give. If this instruction is worthwhile to you, if you treasure it, then you're obligated by the scriptures, by the Apostle Paul, to give 
all good things, sharing them with your instructor. Now, verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. See, he's he's continuing to carry on these two these two camps. He continues. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in good doing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Well, I'm weary. I'm going to take some time for the next couple of weeks to just rest. It'll be pre-recorded broadcasts. But I am not going to give up. I'm going to continue doing good. And I know I will reap a harvest because I'm not going to give up. I don't want you to give up. I want you to grow stronger and stronger in Jesus Christ. I want you to give your heart and your life into his hands. I want you to be crucified with Christ so that you too can be an ambassador of the Lord Jesus, so that your time and your attention is not for Balal. Your time and attention is not for this world. It is for the kingdom of Jesus Christ for whom you are an ambassador. Well, I thank you, brother, sister, for being with me today. I pray God's mercy will overshadow your life, that his Spirit will bring you into a place of the manifestation fully of the fruit of the Spirit, and that you will walk in Jesus Christ with courage and boldness, and that you will do what is right. You will follow the leading of the Spirit in your heart. And many of you I've spoken with, you know what God is calling you to do, but you keep pushing it off and saying, oh, I'll do it, but not yet, not yet. Don't delay. The world is coming to a crashing conclusion with the Antichrist rising and the one world government rising, manifesting in the collapse of our economy, famine, death. There's no time. Get right with Jesus. And don't give up. Stand. Though the heavens fall, don't give up. Well, we're out of time. I'd love to hear from you. In fact, I'd love my mailbox to be jammed, stuffed full when I get back in two weeks. Oh, what a joy that would be to my heart. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. 
that address again, National Prayer Chapel, Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. While I'm out of town, there will be services held as normal. You're welcome to come. You will be inspired and you will be encouraged in your walk with Jesus. It's not a it's not a worldly service. It's a service for people who are serious about following Jesus. Nationalprayerchapel.com Now, Lord, in the last few minutes of today's broadcast, I pray for health and healing in the body of your people. I pray for courage and confidence to rest in you, Jesus, and to bear testimony in their jobs, in their families, that you are the Lord and that you love them. Lord, have your way today and bless each who has listened. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen.